Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The Bruins had breakup day yesterday. Bridget, you were there. Scott, you were there. Points. And, of course, the Bruins ownership and management brass, I believe, are slotted to speak maybe sometime next week. So we'll cover that as well. And I'm sure we'll get a little bit more substance from, from those individuals. As far as the members of the team that spoke yesterday, guys, and Bridget, we still have to get all your feedback on what happened because um, we haven't heard from you since they do lost we, game yeah, seven. I guess we do. We, we will, there'll be time for that, but you know, just, I guess guys, just what, what are your, what are your main takeaways from, from breakup day? Obviously there's some free agents that are up in the air and there's the future of Bergeron and Krejci that will be asked until the end of time. So I'm going to throw it to you guys now. I think my, my takeaway first, as it relates to the first round loss and collapse is two days later, they're still in shock. Like a couple guys literally even said it. Like, I don't really know how to answer for this right now. Like I, you know, haven't had enough time to process it. Um, You know, I don't think anyone had like a great, explanation for what happened the you know some guys took personal responsibility said you know i second guess could i've done this better that better made this play that play connor clifton said he you know was like really down himself and apologetic about the way he played in game six um you know said he with fresh legs he thought he could bring some some energy to the series and was in a good spot to make a positive contribution and like just just didn't happen. Like just had a bad game. Um, so, you know, it, like it was obviously a pretty, pretty dour mood. And then the other takeaway for me was, you know, all the guys who are pending free agents that we know they're not going to be able to keep all of them because they have eight unrestricted free agents, three restricted free agents and about $5 million of cap space. But everyone wants to be back basically like every, almost to a man, they all said like their priority would be to come back if, if there's room for them, if it works out. So obviously it's not going to work out for all of them, but um, you know, I do think you heard a lot of that too, of guys who as much as possible want to try to keep this together and do it again. But the realities of a, of a salary cap league and, you know, a cap that's probably only going up by a million dollars is that's, not going to be possible. There's going to have to be a lot of turnover. Yeah, a lot of turnover. Um, and I mean, a lot of answers you expect from free agents um, and 
you know, Bergeron and Krejci being two of them. But uh, they're they're always going to say, oh, you know, I want to come back. But I did get the sense that, and I don't know if this is a language barrier thing um, or if he didn't understand the question necessarily, but Orlov was asked whether or not he would go back to Washington, and he said that was on his list, I think. It was – I didn't know if he maybe misunderstood that he – and was like talking about going back to live in Washington, like for the off season or like literally go back and play in Washington would be like up there for him. Yeah. Um, I think there was on Orla specifically. I I think there was a lot of kind of misinterpretation of what he said. My read, like going back and watching and listening to it again this morning was more like, cause yesterday the narrative was like, Oh, he wants to go back to Washington. I got the complete opposite impression. Like, like he, he literally says at one point, like he's sure they're going to talk to his agent, but uh, his, his quote was like, but they traded me. So I don't know if it's going to work out, but I guess we'll see. Like to me, it sounded more like he didn't really think they were an option. Mm-hmm. And, and he did say at one point too, like he, you know, like he might go back to Washington now. And I, I took that to mean because his family's there, like they, they didn't move up here. So I, I just think I language probably is part of it, but I think a lot got lost in, in how some of his answers got kind of disseminated out on Twitter. Yeah. But even I, when I was listening to him live, I thought that maybe he meant going to play there. Um, so I do think some of it was, I don't like when you listen back to it, you're like, oh, maybe he just said it wrong. Like um, I do have my one source <laughs> in Washington that I I'll ask to see if Washington wants him back. Cause um, the one person I know that's close to the capitals would probably know that. Um, but yeah, he's, so he was the only one who kind of answered it. That wasn't just like, yeah, I want to stay in Boston. Um, but he did have a lot of positive things to say though, about his time in Boston. Like he talked about how, you know, it, it's important for him to enjoy hockey and he found that again in Boston. Like, so, you know, almost suggests like he wasn't really having fun in Washington at the end. So, which is kind of what I got from the person that I know that's connected to the Capitals was that they, he was not sad to go. Um, and that there's a tiny bit of dysfunction going on in Washington at the time. Um, and definitely they weren't happy with the decision to be sellers, but, um, so yeah, Orlov was interesting and kind of you could interpret, I guess people did interpret things different ways. Um, but he is going to be a contract that either way might be too big for the Bruins to want to take on. Um, and they're going to have to decide whether or not they want to focus on their defense or, you know, do they want to bring back weapons like Bertuzzi? Will they even have the option to bring back either? Um I think maybe also just to start with like the less controversial, not less controversial, but like um, the unrestricted free agents who obviously they'll be negotiating with the Bruins first before anything else could happen. Um, Trent Frederick was talking about this. Um, he's restricted one the, free agents. I'm sorry. Restricted. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Trent Frederick is one of the restricted free agents. And so he was asked about it and he was like, well, yeah, no, my agents in negotiations with Sweeney and, and like, I want to be in a Bruins sweater for as long as possible. So 
pretty much he I think he wants a pretty long term deal if he can get one in negotiations um and but then he was laughing like what other choice do I have (laughs) he's funny because he just says like whatever he's actually thinking he's like the least political answers you'll get and he's just kind of like he kind of like Gronk where he's just like I play hockey and I just that's my life (laughs) yeah it's just kind of how he is Thought enters head, escapes mouth. Like. Yeah, exactly. But he's so he's so like he was one of the only guys that was in like a decent mood where he was just like, yeah, you know, I play hockey. I'm gonna get paid. Like he was just, I don't know. He's always kind of in a good mood. Um, so he was saying he's completely hands off in those negotiations, which isn't very surprising. Um, I think that if we want to talk about what he deserves, he brought his value up for sure this season um, with career best numbers. And you kind of wonder how even those restricted free agent um, negotiations are going to go because Swayman's another one and Swayman's value has also gone up. Um, And the Bruins are in a a tough situation because pretty much everybody on their team that could leave had a better season than they had in years past and their value went up. That is true. There's a lot to digest there because there's a lot of free agents on this team and restricted and unrestricted. So I don't really know exactly where you guys want to take this. I mean, if you want to start with like the Bertuzzi versus Orloff, if you want to prioritize one or the other, because you guys were talking more so about Orloff earlier, I I really don't care what he wants to do. I don't think the Bruins need him to come back at, at the at the term and dollar that he's probably going to ask for in a final contract. I think he's a good player, great player. A little bit older. I, I just feel like if you're the Bruins, if you, look, you look towards next season and hopefully the seasons to come. Mason Lorai is a guy who can slide on that left side. Hopefully, as soon as next year, can can McAvoy and Lindholm kind of carry the weight until Lorai becomes an NHL player at some point next year, and you can add some of that that depth from uh, from the farm system. I think that's probably what they would do because then you can at least try to prioritize Bertuzzi if you would like. You can't do both of them, and I just think that Bertuzzi's younger. He fits a position of need that the Bruins don't really have a ton of in the system, whereas Lorai could come in and replace an Orloff uh, eventually. And so I think, I guess that's a question. Would you would you guys prioritize Orloff over Bertuzzi or vice versa? Just to keep it to those two real quick. Because they both came into Boston at the deadline and they both played fantastic, I thought. Yes, yes, Bertuzzi had a couple of turnovers, but if we're being honest, guys, by and large, he was one of the Bruins' best forwards in the in the seven game series against Florida, and Orloff had a, you know five or six primary assists in the series, and and he was really good too. So both those guys came to Boston. They did exactly what Don Sweeney hoped that they would do for this team. And the Bruins are not at home right now because of their play in the playoffs. Yeah, I I guess I would prioritize Bertuzzi sim- simply because of age more than anything. Like. He's in his prime years. He's still in his 20s. Orlov will be turning 32 before next season begins. And, you know, like, look, if, if Orlov wanted to come back on just like a short-term three-year deal or something, awesome. But realistically, this is probably the last big payday of his career, and I'm sure. Which he said. He's, yeah, he's going to, you know, he's probably going to want like that five- or six-year deal. So that takes him into his later 30s and to the point where, you know, maybe he's retiring or playing it a year at a time at that point. So he, he I, said, I don't, this will be my last contract in, yeah. his, in his interview. So that kind of takes the short-term stuff off the table. You'd think. 
Yeah, and I just I don't I don't think that's the the best move for the Bruins to give five or six years to a defenseman in his thirties, even even though you know a couple defensive zone misplays aside, I thought Orlov was a really good fit. And he's clearly, you know, he's clearly what they've been looking for in that left side that, you know, something much more well-rounded than a Grizzly Riley forward, another guy who can play in the top four behind Lindholm, but it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. If it's, if he's going to look for that longer term deal and kind of the highest bidder, that one last good payday, it's probably not going to be with the Bruins. Um, so, you know, Bertuzzi, I think, lines up more with sort of where this team's going to go over the next few years, which is whether it's next year or the year after. And, you know, we haven't even really talked about Bergeron and Krejci yet, but they both said, you know, they're going to talk things through with family before they make a decision. Uh, Krejci said he expects to make a decision in the next couple of weeks. My gut is that decision will probably be to retire. Um but we'll see. And Bergeron said he doesn't have a timeline, but did note that last year he wanted to make sure he let Don Sweeney know before free agency started. So that would put it at the end of June. So obviously there's some time there. Um, I do think Bergeron's a little more up in the air, uh, especially after yesterday. Like I, it's, it can be hard to read Bergeron at times, but I did think there was like some actual doubt in, in terms of how he talked how he answered questions where like I, I didn't I didn't get the sense that like he's already decided and he's just gonna give diplomatic answers like I, I felt like there was actually some you know some uncertainty and in, in the way he said like you know it's too early to even make a rational decision right now um, I, I do think like there's gonna be a real debate for him and and conversations with his family um but at what i was getting at with bertuzzi in the timeline is at at some point there's going to be a reset and you're going to take a step back for a year or two and that might be as early as this summer so bertuzzi will can still be in his prime when you get to the other side of you know a year or two step back reset whatever you want to call it like they had in 2015 when Don Sweeney took over as GM where you're not going full rebuild. You're not, you know, blowing it up, but you're, you're taking a step back and you're resetting the books and you're getting a little younger and you're trying to get back in, you know, the next couple of years. So I would probably prioritize Bertuzzi there. The problem with all this is like, like we've said, they have so little cap space. So it's also going to depend on, who can they trade away? What kind of value can they get? Um, you know, we know the names there. Like, are you, you probably, you're trying to trade at least one defenseman. Grizzly, Forbert, Riley, all have one year left. I don't know what the value for any or all of them is. Um, you might have to trade a forward, especially if you're committing to Bertuzzi, you know, so does that open up? Taylor Hall or Jake DeBrusque as a trade possibility. Are you looking at trading one of your goalies? Lena Solmark has two years left to 5 million per year. You could get a lot cheaper at the goalie position by going Swayman as restricted free agent and Brandon Bussey as your backup. So I think all that's on the table. I think they're going to be looking at every option, 
But as far as, you know, the newcomers who are free agents, to me, Bertuzzi makes more sense than Orloff. I, Scott, you, you, I don't even know where to start with that. So I guess I'll start with Brian's question, um, which was about Bertuzzi. Um, so right now he's, I believe his last contract looking at it now is he was getting 2375000 was this past contract for him. He's 27 years old um, and he's going to go up and pay from there and probably would want a mid to long range contract, you would think. So um, do, do you want, so evolving hockey has their contract projections out and, they're usually for in a lot of cases, they're like relatively close to the amount in terms of projected deals for Bertuzzi. They project four years by five and a half million a year. Well, that's a pretty big step up from his last contract. So yeah. Double, so I mean, he's got, he's got a, a 30 goal season in there since then. Mm-hmm. He just tied for the team lead in points in a playoff series. So you know, yeah, I think it is going to be a pretty big jump. Yeah, it's you're looking at almost double <laughs> the contract for him. Um, and you don't have, you don't even have five million. So, <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, if they could find a way to bring him back, I think that he was a good fit with the team. Um, I think he still probably has even more growth he could do here in Boston in terms of um, chemistry, um, which was at times, you know, very good, him and Pasternak. Other times you could tell that they hadn't been together, like not just him and Pasternak, but him with other lines um, that they hadn't been together all that long and they're still working on things. So um, I think his ceiling is higher even than what he showed um, because he could work on some of those, you know, issues with the turnovers he was entertaining I'll say that um I didn't necessarily know what they were getting when they got him in terms of how his personality would really mesh with the team and he seemed to be good I mean you you always wonder when you have a guy coming in that has beef with like several players on your team what it's actually going to be like in the locker room and Marshawn when he was answering his questions yesterday kept joking about he's like they're like, how is it to play, you know, playing with the guys that you hate? He goes, I still hate that guy, but he was kidding. Um, <laughs> so, like, it, it ended up being a decent fit, um, even in the locker room, which probably would have been more your question um, when he was brought in. So, I don't have an issue with them trying to get him uh, to come back, but I just feel like he's going to get more somewhere else. So, that becomes your main problem with a lot of these guys is that you even if you want them like other teams probably want them just as bad Bertuzzi showed um what his value could be uh so that could be difficult I wouldn't be surprised if Orloff was kind of out Clifton feels like he's out um yeah and in terms of Hathaway, if we're talking about the three guys that they added at the deadline, Hathaway's, you know, his contract isn't going to be as big, but you can fill a fourth line role with other guys. Um, and he had some stretches before the playoffs that he, he looked like a good fit and you wanted more from him in the playoffs though. Um, with 
what we what you think he can bring is his ability to you know he's had the most hits um but he's also an agitator and he can get in front like cause havoc in front of the net you would have liked to see more from him in the playoffs in that role so uh to answer that I guess we'll throw it back to Brian for for his response and then we can hit some of the other stuff Scott talked about like Bergeron and Krejci uh what was the question again Oh, that's right. 20 minutes later. Ah, uh, no, I'm with you guys. I would say Bertuzzi. I think it's just a matter of like, look, if, if Bert, it just depends, this whole, this whole episode today really is kind of a little bit premature as far as uh, outlook for next year for the Bruins, because we have to hear what the management says and what the ownership brass says. Uh, and there's obviously two looming decisions. Like, like you guys were talking about with Krejci and Bergeron. I, I, I agree with Scott. I think Krejci's done. As far as Bergeron goes, I think he's sitting there asking. Ryan, you're coach. supposed to answer Bertuzzi Orloff first. <laughs> Bertuzzi, <laughs> Bertuzzi. Okay, that was it. All right. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think I I think I preface a question with my initial thoughts on it, but I would say Bertuzzi. Um, but it, it, like I said, though, it all depends on on what like if certain guys are leaving, right? So my my point is, if Bergeron and Krejci stay, let's just say, okay, now your your cap is even that much more tight because you have the bonuses carrying over and you'd have to pay them something this year. If they're gone, the reason I bring them up is because the Bruins ownership will not, they will not accept a rebuild. Okay. This is, this is something that they've been on record saying. And, and so if Bergeron and Krejci go, I think there's going to be a real, uh, a strong effort by the Bruins to try to make sure they can sign some legitimate talent up front. And Bertuzzi fits that bill. I think there's plenty of guys that are free agents on this Bruins team, uh, restricted, unrestricted, that they're a dime a dozen. Thomas Nosek, I like him. They can replace him internally. Same with Garnet Hathaway, like let him go. Orloff does not fit the bill for the Bruins long term. Um, you know, Forbert, see you later. Riley, they buried him in a year, so I don't think they care if they get rid of him. Uh, it's just a matter of if they can trade him. Farber though that he's he's got another year so it depends on you know whether you can trade him or if he has any value yeah I, this there's just this i guess what i'm saying is like the, the the if bergeron goes like pavel zaka the addition of pavel zaka last year really mitigates my concerns for them having to to have a full rebuild because if you had no Zaka to fill that, that number two center for the future, now you're talking, you got to find two centers. You already, you have Zaka. Like you, you can plug him in and you won't miss, you won't even notice Krejci's gone. Hell, Krejci wasn't even here last year. Eric Holler replaced him. <laughs> it's like, I mean, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did kind of replace him actually positionally. But my point is you just have to focus on replacing Bergeron whenever that is for your, for your number one center. The other guys, they're going to come and go, but you got to figure out who you're, you know, who your number one center is down the line. My point is that's not insurmountable. Okay, so I need, we need, we all need to see and hear from ownership and management, and we need to see what they're what they're feeling, and and we need to see what Bergeron and Krejci decide, mainly Bergeron, and that is going to depend. That's going to change. Don Sweeney has probably a million different directions he's going to go this offseason, depending on what Bergeron decides. There's a, there's a lot of tough decisions that if Bergeron leaves, he might not have to face right away but if he stays there's going to be some some decisions to be made and it's just really difficult for us here to right now not even a week after game seven to really dissect what that is so i'm hoping next week we might have a little bit more clarity and certainly throughout the off season 
But as far as the personnel decisions going forward this offseason, it's going to be a crapshoot, and it's really tough for us to gauge because nobody really knows. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. 